Hey everybody and welcome back to Infinity Watchers with John and Jared. Um, we are here ready to discuss episode 3 of Loki Lamentus. Loki has been going going strong so far, another strong episode this week. We'll dive into it uh, a little bit later, but we do have um, some news and happenings around the MCU to, to talk about. Jared, it was a, a pretty wild week in terms of MCU news. It was. I, I would say that the uh, the news this week was a little more exciting than this week's Loki episode overall. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> if, for, if I'm being for those, frank, for those who don't know, that the the biggest drop of the week was the new Shang Chi trailer, and it just looks fantastic. I guess we could just jump straight into that because we'll get, I'm, we'll I'm get done. In, yeah, we'll get into that. But uh, how was how how's your week been? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Got some got some time in outside and. Enjoyed some nice weather that we've been having up here, and aside from that, not not too much really. Yeah, yeah. I started. Um, I don't know what possessed me to, but I started binging the the Fast and Furious franchise this week. I've seen mm. bits and pieces here and there of them over the years, and I finally just decided to commit. I have I've had them on digital for like over for a year now, and finally decided to sit down and watch them, and they are a treat. Let me tell you. Yeah, uh, I've gotten through the fifth one so far. I'm hoping to do the sixth one tonight and go see nine before it's out of uh, the theater up by my place this week. But I realized that Fast Five came out in 2011. The Avengers came out in 2012. Yep. Fast Five was, did a team up before the Avengers did. The Fast and the Furious <laughs> franchise did it first. The first movie introduced a handful of characters. The second one split off one of those main characters, introduced another another one. The third one introduced another main character <laughs> and then brought in a cameo at the very end, almost like a stinger or a teaser in a post-credit scene. And then the fourth one brought a couple of them together and introduced one or two new characters. And then five, they literally just brought everyone together. And it like <laughs> I was watching it and thought they did this before the Avengers did, before Marvel did. And I, it just shocked me. How have well, I never but- been into this franchise? They're also like numbered sequels too. You know, it's not like a, a universe. Yeah, no. well, it is now. It but. is. It is. <laughs> um, because they've gone and gone back and retconned so much of that <laughs> franchise. It's outrageous, and and yeah, I've I've fallen in love with it this week. The just <laughs> if if you if you haven't seen any of them, and I'm hoping people have, but if you haven't, just. Just search on YouTube the the safe heist in Fast Five, and that's all. If if you're into that, that's all you need to know. Watch the rest <laughs> of the franchise. Yeah. Have you have you seen any of them? Um, I don't think I've seen them all. I've seen a few here okay. and there. Yeah. The uh, the safe heist from Fast Five, where they're driving through the streets of Rio, dragging a like twenty ton safe with muscle cars, <laughs> <laughs> with this with this safe just winning in the wind everywhere it just it blows my mind it exists and it i had never been so happy you know i you and i had talked this week about kind of we were, we were kicking around some ideas to do an off weeks for for podcasts like some topics that we could cover when we're not doing these episode reviews yeah and one of the, one of the things we talked about was what genres of film will we like to see the MCU tackle? Mm-hmm. And now I'm just picturing like a Fast and Furious movie set yes. in the MCU. And where my mind goes, not to ruin this too much, but something with Ghost Rider. I was just thinking that. <laughs> put put Ghost Rider in a, uh, in yeah. a Fast and Furious do style the, heist Do movie. the Robbie oh. Reyes Ghost Rider where he's not <laughs> on a bike. He has like the, the uh, you know, kind of classic car at 
<laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> Spoiler alert, that's a, a topic we'll we'll hit one day. And someday in the future. Yeah, and speaking of uh, genres the MCU could tackle, let's talk about the uh, Mission Impossible MCU movie we're getting in a few weeks. <laughs> yes. Um, so for Black Widow, the social media reactions are out. Some, um, some of those in the media have been able to see the movie and posted kind of some snippets from their reviews. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems pretty positive. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything groundbreaking in the movie. I mean, no one's calling it the best MCU movie or anything like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people drew the comparisons to um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which is kind of expected. Yeah, um, I hadn't really seen Mission Impossible referenced in any of these. I was kind of hoping to see really? that that's what I want this movie to be. <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like from the marketing. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean anything could just be that they didn't include that in the one tweet that that people have been able to post about it because it's not a full review embargo, just kind of quick reactions. Yeah, that's but, true. And I did, I did start, uh, I, I watched the first mission impossible a while ago and I don't know what took me so long, but I finally watched the second one last week and it, uh, it's so dry and so boring <laughs> that I, I, I had to, I almost fell asleep during it, but I got to push myself. I want to push myself to get through the rest of them. Yeah, before I go see Black Widow, they're good. Weeks. I mean, they 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 get better. Yeah. I think so. I mean, uh, you and I saw Fallout in theaters. Yeah. Fallout was great. They it just, was. It, it's like fast. It's like the Fast and the Furious series where they right. just keep one upping each other as they as they go. But uh, one of one of the standouts from these reactions of Black Widow has been um, Florence Pugh's character as Elena. Okay. I see way more hype for for her character than I do for Scarlett Johansson. Um, it's actually which is, good which is good but you know i it sucks at the same time that she like has a spotlight away from her and what is likely her last mcu movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> you that's know true I, it's probably not the spotlight so much but maybe reactions have been a little bit more focused on um yelena which mm-hmm. you know i understand it seems like that that character they're they're doing a lot to make her very different from natasha which mm-hmm. is which is good i was hoping it wouldn't be just a clone of natasha yeah yeah, very, very interesting. I'm glad to see the reactions are out there. Definitely excited. I mean, the movie's gonna be gonna be good. You and I kind of talked off air after we got the Shang Chi trailer drop that that the hype for some of the movies coming out after Black <laughs> Widow are just so high right now for both of us. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of sucks because <laughs> I I am excited to see Black Widow, but it's definitely a different level of excitement than than I've uh, gotten from the Shang Chi marketing so far and eternals but i i really do think that's just because we've been seeing trailers for black widow for over a year now almost yeah it's just been you know i feel like we've seen i mean at this point we probably saw set photos in like 2018 (laughs) so so. it's just wild um that it's taken so long and i think that's kind of why the the hype died down for me it i'm still excited to see it and you know you and I secured our tickets for it, so we'll be mm-hmm. going to the returning to the theaters for it, which is which is definitely extra exciting. I think. Yeah, um, it's it feels good to be able to go back to theaters. Yeah, it does, and this this will be my first um, first movie I've seen in theaters since pre pandemic. So, oh wow, I'm excited for that. I I can't even remember what the last movie I saw was before the pandemic. I can say this is not because I went to see um, I went to see Tenet when it came out. Mm. and i saw one of the theaters by us was doing 
um, basically rent out a theater for like 50 bucks and they would show classic movies for, mm. for that. So right. there was a group of a group of us from high school that were doing that for a couple of weeks. We saw uh, Jurassic Park and the Big Lebowski. Nice. By doing that. So I, cool. I'll admit this isn't my first time back in theaters. And I went to see In the Heights a few weeks ago at the theater up the street from me. Mm. and a quiet place part two so i've, I've been going <laughs> yeah, <geez. laughs> okay yeah so i have been going it won't be a it's, momentous occasion for you like it will for me <laughs> no it i will say it if if there are more people there it it'll be a little more momentous because right. having a, a theater to yourself is a little weird but it's nice to have a private screening at the same time mm-hmm. but anyway speaking of uh movies that are coming out or could be coming out why don't we get into the news here well, I guess we'll save the Shang-Chi trailer for last. One one small news piece was Feige said in an interview this week that Marvel Studios is considering other quote-unquote prequel films for other characters like they're doing with Black Widow. So kind mm-hmm. of placing it on um, the timeline that we already know um, to either fill in gaps or have it set before anything we've seen, which, which is pretty interesting. Um, I, I definitely think I'm... That's another thing that's playing into my hype levels for Black Widow. It's like we we kind of know how this story ends mm-hmm. um, for Natasha, right? Like there's still some interesting characters on the side that are going to get introduced, but you know we kind of know the beginning and end points of this movie for right. for the main character. So that um, you know takes well, a little bit of the hype for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's why part that's another part of the reason why my um my expectations are a little lower for this Mm -hmm. for black widows because we we know the states of it like or at least we can assume the states of it right because we know there's really no threat to natasha herself given we know what happens so it it kind of relieves a lot of the tension before we even go into it I think that's partly why they're introducing so many characters that she has attachment to in a relationship mm-hmm. with, because those will be the ones that actually have to deal with the stakes. Right. You can see, like, uh, I could see a character like, um, you know, David Harbour's Red Guardian not make it out or something like that. Yeah. Um, but remains to be seen. Um, but that kind of got me thinking, like, what other characters could we see get this treatment based on what we know of? the sacred timeline that we've seen thus far. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me, and this is a 100% a pipe dream, and I don't ever expect this to happen, but I really would love to see another Avengers movie set specifically between probably Avengers and Age of Ultron, or maybe okay. Iron Man 3 and Age of Ultron. Like I would like to see the Avengers at their height with that core team. You know, it, it's we saw we saw them assemble. We saw their origin movie. We saw them with Ultron, and by the end of that movie, they, I mean, Tony gave the Avengers a cap and left, right? Right. <laughs> like they they weren't the same group anymore. Um, so I always wanted to see another story set in that in that realm and that's not something that ever would have the stakes to be able to bring back Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. So. No. So it would never happen, but I, I it would be awesome to see something from that era. What? I'd like to see them visit it in a comic or something. Even May, I, I could see it in the comics, maybe not not as a short film or as a or as mm-hmm. a feature length. But how like how what would you even what what would be the story in something like that if you had to if you had to put that together? I don't know. 
<laughs> I didn't think about it that far, but I, I always just thought that Civil War, you know, for for the story and the arcs that they were trying to tell, it made sense. And I, I'm happy that we got that movie, but it always just made me a little bit sad that we didn't get more content with the Avengers at their height. Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense. No, yeah. it does. Like operating as a fully operating as a fully functional team. I, th- I thought that would Does be because the only time we actually see them functioning as a well, I guess a couple times we see them as a full functioning team are at the end of the first Avengers in the first scene of Age of Ultron. Yep. And that was allegedly because of, of something that happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and right. the um, and I guess the end of Endgame. And I would say the well, even the end of Endgame is like not the core team that was more no. every character we've ever been introduced to. <laughs> yeah that's true it wasn't really the quote-unquote avengers yeah but um the i would say the end of age of ultron yeah that too we saw that um but you know after that it was immediately you know the team kind of is split that's one another one that i think is would be really interesting is doing um, an Ant-Man prequel, just showing one of the adventures Hank that Pym. Hank Pym had in like the seventies. And with Janet, I liked that. I liked yeah, the idea. Just of recast doing... that, like the, just recast them, and mm-hmm. either make it a Disney Plus series or something. I, I think that would be really neat. And I think there's there's a lot of a lot of room for what they could tell because that era is largely unexplored. I think in the MCU films, pretty much the only time we really get. If, if I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the only time we really see like that late sixties or early seven to mid seventies era is like the scene in Endgame, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because even the the flashback in the first Ant Man was the late eighties, mid eighties. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, that that would be interesting to see more of Hank's adventures during the Cold War. Um, using the PIM particles as a weapon, uh, the U.S. using the PIM particles as a weapon during the Cold War. Yeah. That would be that would be really interesting to like mm-hmm. see how that would impact Vietnam, and um, you could even play into some of the conspiracy theories of the <laughs> of the late and mid sixties. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get um, get Haley Atwell back for to be uh peggy carter and have mm-hmm. a big shield presence in there that would be i like that idea that's, i think it's really cool. good i think it'd be really cool um glad you hit us up yeah and then i think the other the other one um that is one of the largest periods that we know nothing about and we may find something out one of the largest periods that we know nothing about and we may get some more insight into in this phase is what Captain Marvel did between her film and Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That's a you know approximately what 25 30 year gap probably. So, um there's a lot of unexplored territory there and maybe that some of that story is going to be told in the Marvels. Um, That's what I was through, just about to say. That that sounds flashbacks like... and they kind of yeah. fill that gap in but but there's a lot of room for you know telling stories with her interacting with the scrolls or or something like that um i i was worried they were going to do this for captain marvel 2 um because i really want to see her post end game and like in our current timeline 
So I'm, I'm happy that's what they're doing, but I do think there's some space there for them to tell another story if they want. My pal Vinny was telling me that I, I'm looking at our, our list and he was telling me about this one shot Hulk comet that he found called the end that just, I would love to see brought to the bid screen in one way or another. And basically it's like, what happens is like the apocalypse happens. I'm summing this up, but a nuclear Holocaust happens and Hulk is the only uh, Bruce Banner slash the Hulk is the only one that survives because of the gamma radiation. And Mm -hmm. he is, it is literally just him and him on earth. And it's Bruce having to Bruce. um, It's going to get dark and I'm, I'm sorry for any trigger warnings here, but Bruce wants to commit suicide because he can't live with himself anymore, but Hulk physically stops him from doing it because he doesn't want to die. So I think that would be a really interesting, like one shot, almost like we, like what we got with Logan for the, for the end of the X-Men series. Uh huh. I would, I would like to see like a one shot of uh, Hulk at the end of the world. Yeah. Being the only person on earth, the only person Bruce, Bruce and the Hulk have to interact with or each other. That's pretty neat. So it wouldn't be a prequel in in sense, but it would be like a Hulk solo film. And I know uh, Mark Ruffalo has talked about wanting to do a an environmentally friendly Hulk. Uh, <laughs> so I think yeah, I, I think you could tie in a uh, a message about uh, not just conservation but being environmentally conscious uh, to nuclear holocaust. Yeah, that's so, pretty interesting. I could see that. So uh, that would be that would be neat to what that would be yeah it's more did you um did you happen to go back and play any of the dlc for square enix's event avengers okay um they (laughs) so they pretty much did this okay um there was like a time travel arc in the hawkeye dlc where you basically go to the future and the only person left is is hulk but he's um maestro now so he's like ultimate intelligence and he's actually the one that killed like all the avengers and stuff and it was kind of kind of wild <laughs> but it, it was pretty similar to this but a little bit more um he was more antagonistic you know had a more active hand i think in the apocalypse but yeah um it just made me think of that when you were you were going through that are there any other kind of like prequels you could think of that you'd like to see um not really like i i'm kind of i i the the whole captain marvel one i think we're going to get more detail on in the marvels so mm-hmm. i'm not as as concerned about that or at least in in some regard we'll get her coming back in one way or another um no that's really you know, that, you know what I, would be a really interesting one and would be ripe for a disney plus series would be the original guardians team that we saw at the end of yeah of uh volume two yeah i could see them doing something like that obviously recasting uh sly stallone but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um that could be something that would be pretty interesting i think i will say and another spoiler for an episode idea that you and i had talked about off air but i i've had for years now a pitch for a howard the duck series (laughs) and that would play into a great prequel that would be a great prequel series for the mcu and we'll we'll get to it one day but i i'm i'm working i'm actually working on like typing up an actual pitch to oh man like, i'm I, excited for that yeah 
Like I, we should I, hit that right after Loki ends, <laughs> <laughs> depending on when we get what if. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work some things out with it, but I, I, it started off as a joke, but the more I thought about it, the more you could actually like do something with it and like have a good positive message in there. Like my, my mind just started running at work one day and I, I like, started i didn't write anything down but like it's still all up in my head right now and I, I i need to get it typed out yeah i'm I'm really excited to hear that one you've been talking that up for a while <laughs> <laughs> i even put it i even put the idea out in a in a discord i'm in and people were like that's genius let's i like i, I really <laughs> wish i could send that to, to the executives right now <laughs> all right um the last the last bit of news is that shang chi trailer that we previously mentioned and this was Man, one of the best trailers I think that the that Marvel Studios has put out. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it was just gripping Tony Leung's performance in it. <laughs> oh my. As Wenwu slash the Mandarin is unbelievable. He is so intimidating <laughs> in this trailer. I cannot wait to see what. what yeah, he- I didn't realize that. I didn't realize the first one that came out was just a teaser. Yeah, I mean, they, they use the word teaser pretty liberally mm-hmm. <laughs> um they, they kind of just whatever the first trailer is is the teaser mm-hmm. and i think what they what they to get semantic on it i think what they do is have the the teaser kind of just be action scenes and you know not a lot of dialogue and then the trailer key you in a little bit more on the story but th- this was just amazing. Like seeing the ten rings in action and seeing and how they work the length, and like yeah the lengths that they've gone to to make them distinct from other MacGuffins we've seen, like the Infinity Stones and the mm-hmm. Gauntlet and, and things like that, is just awesome. Like the way that they, there, there was one point where they just kind of freeze midair. Mm-hmm. The Mandarin punches through them and gets them <laughs> on his arm, and he uses them as projectiles at one point. And oh, it, the choreography and the distinct look of these, every scene has its own flavor almost looks like it's picked out of a different movie but it all mm-hmm. still tonally fits right <laughs> like just the cinematography is beautiful well the uh the shot of sean chi and wen Wu like pulling it pulling on each other with yeah. that blue and that blue and orange lighting against each of them mm-hmm. that looked like the the sub-zero and scorpion fight yeah. right out of mortal Kombat. Uh-huh. and did. i i just kept thinking this looks like this looks so much better than the Mortal Kombat we already got yeah. this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it it just looks fantastic. I got so excited for this movie, and I've been watching um, Tim's Convenience a lot this over the past few months, and I really like Simu Liu in it. Uh, I like his charisma. He's not in it as much as I expected, mm-hmm. but uh, the charisma he has, I, I like. So I'm I'm excited to see what he's able to do in here yeah i mean he he looks like the perfect fit to join the mcu and i'm starting to wonder now with the with the line of the these rings the 10 rings being passed down through generations if he ultimately gets those as his power set at the end of this movie i mean that'd be a nice way to to power him up and give him a set of powers that are you know very distinct Mm mm-hmm in addition to his martial arts training but you know we have we've had a few hand-to-hand focused <laughs> characters so to to give him something like those those um the 10 rings would be really interesting it'd be a it, 
provides the opportunity for a lot of cool action scenes in Avengers movies and team-ups, I think. I mean, outside of that, I think the other big uh, elephant in the room is <laughs> Abomination. He's a, he's a big elephant, all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Abomination's back. It appears he's fighting Wong, or at least a sorcerer. It looks very similar to Wong in the clothes that Wong has worn in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see about that. But yeah, hit the redesign, the evolution of Abomination is amazing. It's very comic accurate. It, he has the fish fins. He has the the uh, the fish looking spine mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fins. It, it just uh, looks unbelievable. So I, I was thinking about this after uh, we had we had seen the trailer initially, and like I started to hype myself up over it. So first of all, this makes the Incredible Hulk relevant again, yep. and it makes me start to wonder. It, when we were talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we were talking about the Thunderbolts being built. Mm-hmm. So, are we going to get a Thunderbolt Ross cameo in this? Like, is this it? Is this the start of the build of the Thunderbolts? I think it will be the continuation. Well, I should say it. continuation, not not start. But like, yeah. If I have to assume that, based on what we know so far about this movie, that it's going to from what from what i've heard from what we've heard it's a mortal Kombat style tournament possibly for the 10 rings themselves mm-hmm. so it would only make sense to me that ross wants them for some reason and yeah. sends in one of his strongest fighters i could to see get that. them that would be really interesting i like that theory a lot as a as a way to tie in tie in the rest of the mcu to mm-hmm. sean chi yeah, I know. I know we had mentioned Mordo, which is still a possibility. But I think now that we're seeing Ross, or not Ross, I'm sorry. Now that we're seeing Abomination, I'd say it's a very good possibility that's going to be the tie-in. I could, I could absolutely see it. I mean, it's. I don't think Abomination is. If if that tournament is indeed for the rings, I don't think Abomination is there for himself to get them for himself. No, I think, I think your theory is is pretty good. I don't really see why else Abomination is there, unless it's not for the rings. Yeah, then that changes things a little bit. Yeah, um, but you and I were just talking off air, and I said, you know, let's just let's just cut it off and save it for the recording. Yeah, but we both wish that like this wasn't in the trailer. Yeah, the trailer was so good by <laughs> itself with everything else. This took it up to another level of great mm-hmm. and unexpected because they kept this completely under wraps. And maybe they were worried about keeping it under the wraps for another couple of months. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man, how great would that surprise have been in theaters? <laughs> I want, uh, well, now that I think about it, I wonder if they needed people to, to go back and watch The Incredible Hulk again because of that. Because that, it's that possible. Of, but I mean, they're, they're already, they've already said that. Tim Roth is playing the abomination again in mm-hmm. She-Hulk, whether he's actually the abomination or just, um, you know, his, his uh, alter ego is remains to be seen. I don't think they were trying. I mean, they don't even have it on Disney plus. So I don't well, like, that's hey, a, go buy this universal movie, but yeah, that's, um, a, that's a rights issue at that point. Yeah, it is. But I think, I think it's meant to set up one, the Thunderbolts two a little connection to She-Hulk. I, I think whatever happens in this tournament is going to result in Abomination either being um, 
you know, either, either Jennifer Walters, AKA she Hulk is the mm-hmm. prosecutor or the defense attorney for, for abomination after this in one of the court cases, I think that's going to be kind of the tie into, <laughs> to she Hulk a little bit. Um, and it, it looks it very, I think we talked about this when we talked about the first Shang-Chi trailer, but this looks like it's in Madripoor. It does. It's very, it's very colorful and very, mm-hmm. uh, very colorful and very dark at the same time. So it's, yeah. it's possible it is in Madripoor. Yeah. And I think with the abomination being there, it kind of confirms that because I don't suspect he could fight in a tournament anywhere else. you know what i mean like the criminal underbelly of the world seems like the place that he would be able to get into a fighting (laughs) ring you know (laughs) and the i mean the power the sheer power level of the people in this tournament like we have abomination we have a sorcerer Mm -hmm. we have shang chi we have the mandarin if he's in that tournament I, i don't yeah yeah like I think it. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we get someone like Mordo in this as well. Who else? Razor Fist is is in it as yeah, well. Razor Fist. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, I wonder. I do wonder if that is the, you know, the final act of the movie. I, I kind of feel like there's going to be a more personal conflict that pops up in the final act, and that's kind of towards the the middle of the the film. But mm-hmm. but remains to be seen. I should go back and watch and kind of keep track of the characters' outfits throughout different scenes and try to piece a little <laughs> bit of it together, but I haven't haven't gone that far. That's just that, that's just moving into heavy speculation territory yeah, at that definitely. point. Definitely, or you're just nitpicking what people are wearing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Marvel's been known to digitally alter trailers as well, so it's almost yeah. a lost cause. That's very true. I mean, they could have digitally inserted the abomination and it's actually Professor Hulk there. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I like that. Or maybe they the the sorcerer shot is faked and is actually Mordo versus Abomination. Oh, that would that's, be cool. That's that's very true. That could be very likely, I think. That that could be likely. I don't I don't I if it's not Wong, then I'm kind of questioning why we're putting all this money into a CGI fight of like abomination versus just a random sorcerer. That kind of seems weird. Yeah. (laughs) Like I think audiences would be like, okay, we know who abomination is, or we're at least going to go and look up who abomination is after I watch this movie. You know, Mm -hmm. we obviously know, but not everyone's going to, but then they're going to try to frantically search for this sorcerer. It's just going to be, you know, an extra. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, I definitely could see it either being Wong, which not with, with that, I'm wondering why he would be there trying to get the rings unless it's just to keep them so he can protect them and watch over them. Cause they're more of a mystical to protect the realms power. Yeah. I mean, or, he left the sanctum on garden for all of 10 minutes and you see what happened in New York. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> um, but I, I could definitely see it being Mordo and the shots just altered so that we don't know that. But who knows? <laughs> it's yeah, we're we are only what two months and a week away. So pretty much, that's pretty wild. Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and I didn't realize it had already been months since the <laughs> first trailer, which made me question my perception of time. <laughs> Speaking of uh, questioning our perception of time, let's get into this week's Loki. 
great finish on the setup there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this week's episode of Loki uh, was titled Lamentous, um, which I kind of was like, what does that mean? At the start of this, but yeah. definitely understood by the end. Um, directed again by Kate Heron. Um, this one was written by Bisha K. Ali, who actually is the head writer for the upcoming Miss Marvel series, which is very exciting. Um, and music again by Natalie Holt, which unbelievable yet again. <laughs> so picking up with this episode, we're thrown immediately into a situation with C20 and um, we'll just refer to her as Sylvie from here on out. Um, full yeah. spoilers for the episode, by the way, <laughs> uh, Lady Loki is Sylvie. But um, we get a look at, at this point, we don't know if it's a memory or, well, at, at, at the point of this episode, we don't know if it's a memory or just kind of a false scenario that Sylvie has put C20 in, but they appear to be having like drinks and Sylvie's kind of poking away at asking where the timekeepers are. And every time she gets close and c20 gets suspicious she kind of like resets the scene and changes the the lighting outside and changes all kinds of different things and this is really our first hint to what we'll find out later in the episode mm-hmm. um and that i'm completely ready to cash in my receipt for that i yeah <laughs> that yeah, i printed a couple weeks ago um the, the tva agents are all variants um and we're actually looking at a memory of this variant so really interesting way to start the episode um, and we find out later, this is kind of how the enchantment powers work for Sylvie. Um, and I think this is really interesting. And one, one of the things I was thinking about earlier today was I'm wondering if they're starting to draw a parallel between Sylvie and Wanda of all people a little bit. Cause if you look at Wanda and how she did something very similar with enchantment to Westview, her enchantees we're all tortured. <laughs> and right. Sylvie seems to put them in happy memories, mm-hmm. which I just thought was kind of a, a bit of an interesting, a bit of an interesting thing. So it's interesting. You, you mentioned that comparison because I, I, I watched the, the new rock stars breakdown of like the Easter aids and missable details mm-hmm. on this episode. And they did mention the parallel between Wanda and um, Sylvie as well. Oh, wow. Um yeah, and they were basically looking at the um, the same thing. Their thing was that Wanda is a Nexus being, so does that mean Sylvie is a Nexus being as well, creating these Nexus events uh, throughout time? Interesting. And breaking the, t- the sacred timeline in this case. That also brings up the question, why didn't the TVA... Does that mean Wanda was supposed to take over that town, that the TVA didn't interfere with... <laughs> Her just creating a whole new reality within the sacred timeline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we're. Well, the, I mean, we know now that DVA is lying. Yeah, about the variant thing to the to the agents themselves. Um, so I mean that calls into question everything, which we've been questioning mm-hmm. everything all along. Yeah. Um. So I I mean yes and no. Like <laughs> it was something that they allowed to happen they didn't stop in to interfere <laughs> so it must not be something that, that to me it's like anything they leave alone is something that doesn't affect the outcome that they're looking to get okay out of the sacred timeline you know they're like yeah we don't care like mm-hmm. wanda's doing this doesn't affect her trajectory or 
the trajectory of other beings that we're closely monitoring or something like that. So, right. um, yeah. So I, I just thought that parallel was interesting. Um, and I like the idea of her being kind of a nexus being in her universe as mm-hmm. well. Um, that's really interesting. She seems to be based on a conversation we get loader, later, a lot older than the Loki we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, with this first scene kind of setting up this false reality for C20 to, to live in. So Sylvie can kind of poke and prod at her and find out where the timekeepers are, which we eventually find out is a, a golden elevator at the TVA. Um, and introducing this scene in this kind of mind control false scenario thing just instantly made me think throughout the whole episode that at the end of it, we were going to get some kind of like bait and switch, like, oh, this whole momentous thing just happened in our Loki's head or something. Um, especially when she tried, she tried to enchant him. Um, so- I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but she tried to enchant him and it failed. But I thought we were going to get the reveal that it actually had worked. <laughs> so I've been thinking about that. And I mean, you and I both agreed, and it seems like the internet in general seems to agree that this is the weakest episode of the three so far. Yeah. And we're seeing this whole show from Loki's perspective. So I have to imagine that we're not supposed to know if it worked or not because Loki doesn't at this point. Right. All we know is that they couldn't escape Lamentis. Mm-hmm. And I have to think that both Sylvie and Loki are playing mind games with each other this entire time. Sylvie is Sylvie has has him enchanted and is trying to get the the keypad, the ten pad, yeah, from Loki, right? But Loki knows exactly every step of every he's three or four steps ahead of Sylvie in this case. Mm. I'm wondering if the broken 10 pad that he pulls out is a, is like a fate or a replica an illusion or something, an illusion that he created mm-hmm. because he knows that he's in one of her false realities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that makes me kind of question it is she explained to him how the power works. And I don't think she would do that if she was currently doing that to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or he's ahead of her, and he he knows it, that he very, can get it her. Very much could be. Yeah, it it's really hard to say. Um, speaking of them being evenly matched, the the scene um, immediately set after episode two, once Sylvie escapes, um, she just works her way through the TVA and just, <laughs> I mean, is decimating the agents basically. Like without much of a, a hitch at all. Well, she does have the hitch the one time when she tries to um, use her powers and then discovers that uh, her powers don't work, which is interesting. So we can kind of assume that she hasn't tried to either hasn't been in the TVA or hasn't tried to use her powers in the TVA. But once we see Loki follow her into their 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 fight and their their scene was really great. And I like the line that. Um, Sylvie said, you're in my way. Loki said, you are my way. Cause she's like his ticket away from the TVA mm-hmm. right? or, or to the top of the TVA, um, whatever he's, he's looking to do. Um, 
but their their fight was just great because they are so evenly matched. I was kind of hoping that she wouldn't just come along and chump Loki mm-hmm. or Loki, and she they'd kind of be more evenly matched, and they pretty much matched each other, you know, shot for shot during mm-hmm. their fight. Um, one interesting thing I think about her running through the TVA agents and eliminating them is I almost wonder if this is meant to be a bit of a hint towards the agents being variants because they're able to be erased by the batons. Right. And I wonder the only other things we've seen erased by the batons are things that aren't supposed to be there anymore in the sacred timeline. You know what I mean? So or so not, not so much by the, well, by the batons and by the charges as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's more by the charges. The batons we've only seen on people or right. on variants. Yeah. And it was only one. I think it's only been on one variant so far. One variant right. and the uh, Casey's cart. Oh, that's <laughs> in right. Episode one. <laughs> that's right. You brought up Casey's cart. <laughs> so uh, those two things, but um, just kind of an interesting thought. I don't know if they're going to expand more on, on that and why it was able to work on the TVA agents or, or what, but, but yeah, I mean, once we get to Lamentis, um, this turns into if 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 I might assume here, being that you've watched more Doctor Who than I have, this turns into a Doctor Who episode once they hit Lamentus. Yeah, it felt very much like one because it, it got very side questy. And for the sake of giving Loki and Sylvia a chance to talk, right? Like yeah. it was for good reason. I still think this episode was entertaining and it was yeah. fun. Um some of the shots and CGI were a little bit wonky in the green screen. <laughs> light, light um, Doctor Who. Yeah. I mean, definitely, <laughs> definitely higher budget than Doctor Who. But um, just a little bit like uh, I can almost see them like running around a green screen set. Like, yeah, you know, um, which, which is fine. I'll, I'll excuse it. Cause I mean the, the design of the planet, I thought was pretty beautiful. If, if mm-hmm. a little bear, um, but it honestly, what it reminded me of a lot was, uh, the Mandalorian <laughs> that too where it's like oh no we were gonna do a thing and then something stopped us from doing the thing and now we have to do this thing for these people to <laughs> have this other thing happen so that we can resume our mission fix the ship and get back to where we came from you know <laughs> like like, I was like whole, oh, this is this like is an entire bit. season of the Mandalorian <laughs> on a desert planet oh no <laughs> like, um so the, I, I love the Mandalorian don't get me wrong yeah they, they do that you know multiple times in each season mm-hmm. so it, it really felt like that for me like oh the thing that got us here is broken we have to do this mission for this person <laughs> and fix it and, um but what what we got here with the dialogue between loki and sylvie i think made it the decision worth it and you can see why they do it i just would have liked it to happen in a little bit of a less clumsy way i think <laughs> yeah yeah it seemed like the the not the tone of this episode but like the the dialogue was fine it was just a little like you said clunky of how they yeah. get from point a to point b they were it was walking and talking but they would stop interact with somebody move on walk talk mm-hmm. interact with somebody sit and talk interact with somebody and then yeah do it again and it just felt like it wasn't paced properly yeah and i think one of my biggest problems with it is that loki and sylvie didn't act urgently at all until no. the final scene and it was like this world is about to end and the device <laughs> to get you off of it is broken mm-hmm. like like I, I just they were being really lackadaisical just kind of relaxing on the train loki got drunk <laughs> like i guess <laughs> i don't know uh, it that 
there there wasn't a lot of urgency in the episode and it felt like why add that urgency to the situation as a whole if they aren't going to act in an urgent manner right <laughs> and i think i think another pro another problem i have i should i should say is that the the problem i the biggest problem i have with this is that it's the same problem i have with the netflix marvel series of we have all this information we can tell you about it right now or we can wait two or three episodes to tell you and it just it's frustrating to hear a constant well we can't tell you yet we can't tell you yet we can't tell you yet and then we're gonna get a reveal at some point about uh sylvie's actual plan and what she intends to do but it just felt like here it was more of a we can't talk about it yet let's talk about what enchanting is yeah i understand that i mean i do think that there's there are story reasons where she can't say it yet because she doesn't trust loki and she wants to kind of lone wolf it yeah um and like you said we're we're learning alongside loki so we're only going to know what other people tell loki <laughs> like through the, either the tva or sylvie you know they're controlling the the information drip for the whole series so yeah um so i mean i i understand that and i liked you know i thought the train scene was great um aside from like maybe that lack of urgency but some of their conversations were really great in reflecting on their pasts mm-hmm. um and understanding that sylvia is vastly different from our loki like i said earlier she seems older she said she doesn't even remember her mother it's kind of mm-hmm. like a blip on her radar basically um her her full name on the website is listed as um sylvie laufey daughter mm-hmm. so that's interesting because i i kind of had a theory i was talking about talking with you about earlier this week um saying that maybe she's um king loki's daughter like another alternate loki or something but it seems like she's just she is loki so in in the in that new rock stars video i was telling you about they they did mention that same detail about mm-hmm. being um laufey daughter and their theory is that she is actually the daughter of laufey and hella oh that that Hella either disappeared when she was young or died and in this alternate in this alternate reality where right. where Sylvie it has the Loki role, she is actually the son of those two. Hmm. I'm sorry, the daughter of those two. Right. I see. Interesting. How does that work with she still should she well I guess she didn't mention if she was raised by Odin or not, right? No. Uh-oh. No, she just knows she's adopted. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Right. And I think there's a reason that. that they never mentioned Frigga or Odin mm-hmm. by name. They kind of just referred to their quote unquote mother. Mm-hmm. Um that'd be interesting. I, I don't see what value it has to the story other than being like a neat Easter egg unless you're gonna bring Hella back. Um like I or if it informs the motivations of, of Sylvie. But what I'm what I'm kind of thinking about Sylvie is I I almost wonder if and there there was a point in this episode that kind of threw a wrench into this, but um I almost wonder if she was actually taken at a young age as a younger Loki from her family by the TVA. 
which like is she she became possible. a variant at a young age and either worked with the TVA either maybe she became an agent is what I'm kind of thinking she became an agent of the TVA um how much do you want to bet Mobius is the one that took her in oh yeah 100% <laughs> so all right so here here's what I think okay let me spell this clear this theory out a little bit more more clearly um so I think it's a possibility that Sylvie was taken in at a young age by the TVA. I think that Mobius has had his mind wiped multiple times by the TVA or by the timekeepers or Renslayer or something because of the scenes in episode two with, you know, the, the trophies in Renslayer's office. He didn't recognize the, the ring marks on the table. He didn't know the other analyst who... Mm-hmm at this point, you know, it was him. <laughs> um, right. And I think, you know, her line, Renslayer's line about him having a soft spot for broken things meant Sylvie. And he doesn't know that he's chasing after Sylvie because he doesn't remember Sylvie. Mm-hmm. I think she maybe either was working with the TVA in a capacity that our Loki is now, or was a full on agent whose, you know, enchantment or whatever worn off, wore off. Um, and she escaped before they could reset her or wipe her mind or something which is how she knows about the enchantment abilities, because I think that the entire TVA is under the same enchantment type spell that the, uh, that Sylvie's capable of doing. I think all of the, and that agents... would tie into your King Loki theory even more. Yeah. Because we've already seen a Loki Sylvie who's able mm-hmm. to do the enchantment. And if King Loki is behind the entire TVA, that's another Loki who can also do enchantment on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the bit my my biggest reason that I think the TVA is using the same enchantment abilities as Sylvie is we have seen that Sylvie's enchantment to do it she has to put them in happy memories has to place them in happy memories. Mm-hmm. So if Mobius is under that enchantment, he his subconscious is riding a jet ski, right? <laughs> in his happiest moment. And when that discussion and his fascination with jet skis is that kind of, you know, leaking to the surface. But he said in that same conversation, he's never been on one. Yeah. He doesn't think he has. Okay. I think either way, either way, it's his subconscious leaking to the surface, but I think it's happening because he's in that memory in his subconscious to keep him under the enchantment. So do you think Casey was a fisherman then? Well, he didn't know what fish are at all. He didn't mention that he he's like happy about fish. That's you know true. what I mean? Like I, I don't, we don't have a ton of other things to go on, but I do think that I don't think it's a coincidence that we have these mind controlled people at the TVA. Mm-hmm. We have mind controlled. We we've seen a character in the series that can mind control people, <laughs> right? Like to, to take this out and kind of, introduce two forms of mind control in the series i think is you know a lot to put on the audience especially because you're going to be doing it in the last couple episodes here so i think you just simply say it's the same enchantment that sylvie's doing and i think she understood how it worked because she was under the influence of it in a happy memory Mm -hmm. so once she escaped she kind of taught herself how to do it over you know x x amount of years right yeah, I like that. That that seems to like all 
fit together mm-hmm. and flow together. Because otherwise, how how would she know about them all being variants if she wasn't under the same influence at some point? Mm-hmm. You know, it, without her, seemingly, I, I, that the one thing that throws a wrench into it is that she found that her powers don't work at the TVA, right? So that to me is, and she looked very surprised by that. Um, so if she was an agent and she had all this knowledge of the TVA, how does she know that her powers don't work there? So, um, that's, that's one of the things that makes me question it a little bit. Um, but that's kind of the, the theory I'm going to go with for now and we'll see how it pans out. Well, to, to play into that, once she enchants somebody, it seems like they, they almost recognize that. So I should start over. When she enchants somebody from the TVA, it seems like they recognize instantly that they're under that they were under they were under some sort of mind control because C twenty comes out of that enchantment saying it was real. That was real. Like yes. she legitimately thought she was in that memory. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm I'm over speculating on this one, but B fifteen was under the same enchantment when they were in the rots cart yes and when she came out of it she looked stunned so very much not like what just happened but like my world where was i yeah Yeah, so like that that would all seem to check out that she is creating these not other realities but she is putting these people back in their memories of this is who I was. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, one of the big reveals is <clears throat> this same type of enchantment power is being used on the TVA agents. Do you think Loki can't be enchanted because he's never truly been happy? He's never had a truly happy memory in his life. This Loki, he, he keeps saying he's the strongest mind. He has one of the strongest minds. Which is very well true, but oh man, that's going to be heartbreaking. Do you I think, think you're that, right? <laughs> do you think that it's possible that everybody else has had a ha- that has been enchanted has had a happy memory in one way or another? If we're assuming that Mobius is is with a jet ski, this oh, Loki has okay, never had wait. a happy memory in his life. Hear me out on this. What if because it's King Loki doing the enchantment? This is that he Loki. Found that... Out, no, I was going to say he found out he cannot enchant other Lokis. Which is why Sylvie, he tried to do it to Sylvie. She escaped and she knows now. And then she tried to do it to our Loki and couldn't do it. Because this whole, like, that first episode, Mobius was interrogating him over why he does what he does. And yeah. he comes to realize that I am just here to cause pain and suffering. Yeah. <laughs> but we never really got why. And it's because he's never satisfied with what he does. Yeah. So that o- that would only make sense that she can't truly enchant him because he doesn't, he, he's never been happy in his life. Wow. That's going to be, a, I, I think you're right. I think you're definitely right. And I think that's going to be a, uh, the only time he was breaking moment. The only time he was truly happy was when he was on, and I hate to make the dark world canon, but it was when he was on that boat with, uh, with Thor out in, on on their way to uh the dark elves and even in the elevator in Ragnarok with Thor. Yeah, I would say in the um like the time in the ship 
and the arc before Thanos attacked. They seem pretty happy. Right. The times he has been happiest has been when he has been with his brother. It's not when he tries to rule something, something or somebody else. Right. As he thinks he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're either going to get a nothing's made you happy or this is your happiest moment. We'll put you in it. And it's going to be just like a moment with him and Thor or something. And that makes his death quick, in quick uh, Hemsworth cameo or something. Yeah, that makes his death in Infinity War all the more tragic. Yeah, that, <laughs> that he knows he's going to die, but chose to go back on the path, knowing he was going to die because he knew that would be his happiest life. Right. Oh my God, boy, that's going to be. Some... I I think. Um... Wow. Yeah, that could be good. I mean that that's going to be a heartbreaking uh, revelation for him. Because I know that we've been saying mm. that uh, Moby's told him we can't put you back in your timeline, but we know now that TVA is making stuff up as they go. Yeah. So well, it's maybe possible. They maybe they can, maybe they can't, but it, I'm going off the assumption they have to put him back. So I'm still of that mindset. I know you keep disproving it, but I'm still in the mindset that this Loki has to be put back in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that see, that just that's even more heartbreaking to me that he is choosing to die to live out his happiest timeline. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the <laughs> speaking of like heartbreaking, it's going to be hard to watch Mobius find out <sighs> later, won't it? <laughs> Apparently, from what from the speculation I've heard, four and five are like some of the wildest things Marvel has done yet. Really. So I'm excited. I you can almost see Loki immediately think of Mobius in that moment when Sylvie tells him that they're all variants. Mm-hmm. Like he, he almost looks sullen a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh no. <laughs> like they just had that huge conversation about their belief system, and you know, it's real because Mobius believes in it and it's just gonna shatter him. Right. Especially when he, you know, eventually finds out the life that he could have had or you know should have had if the tva didn't capture him as a variant and i do you think we'll find out that he's like an owen wilson variant or i wish that that's a pipe dream i don't think that'll happen (laughs) that'd be too meta (laughs) that would be way too meta i saw Um, someone it was kind of funny they speculated that um he'd be like a a howard stark variant or something because he looks kind of similar to (laughs) john slattery I can't even like imagine. Like he kind of has the mannerisms and like uh, you know type of thing of a Stark. Uh, but I, I don't think we need to even find out who he's a variant of. Come on, Disney! I want my Lightning McQueen crossover. Let's do this. <laughs> he's a variant. <laughs> Lightning, Lightning McQueen is a Mobius variant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm wondering. Um, well, something that I came to the realization of is I, I just watched The Wizard of Oz with my girlfriend uh, like a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And all of this talk we've had about um, about a possible Kane Loki reveal made me think more of The Wizard of Oz because this is I'm stretching here, but I don't think it's much of an accident. Um, the color scheme in this is very green and gold. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we know I mean, if you've seen the Wizard of Oz, you know the Emerald City is led to by the Yellow Brick Road. So you have a another green and gold like color scheme going on. It, yeah. it almost doesn't seem like an accident that the 
the timekeepers are hidden behind a golden elevator in like this mm. golden hued building with um and even like Loti's normal garb is green and gold. Sylvie's outfit is just a variation of Loti's and the color right. scheme is the same. I think I think it's no accident that they're leading to something like that, or at least like it's like a um a, an indirect reference. Yeah. That that I eventually like that. they're gonna pull the curtain back and it will be a teen Loti of sorts, or it'll be Kang. somebody that or it'll be Kane, or it'll be somebody pulling the levers behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the further the further we get into um the series, the less sure I am of Kang and the more sure I am of King Loki. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels like Kang's something they would have to even if they don't have him actually show up, they would have to directly reference him soon. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what happens next. Um, a couple more things about that train scene. We kind of went on a, our, a tangent of laying out our theories, but um, I guess there are no tangents when when time works differently here at the TVA right. recording the podcast. But uh, <laughs> the the train scene, I thought when Sylvie went to sleep and Loki said, I'll just relax in my way. <laughs> um, she woke up, he's singing the the drinking song and the entire trains chanting along. I thought that was really cool to see that kind of side of Loki that we hadn't seen before. So I looked into that drinking song and it turns out that was, that was written specifically for this show. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the author's name who wrote it and the composer who wrote the music for it. Yeah. It's a Norwegian song. All of the Asgardian that's spoken in this series or in, in the MCU is actually Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's a translation of the verse that Loki sings. Turns out this is a like a four. There are four verses that they wrote for this song, and when the soundtrack comes out, the whole song will be on there. But mm-hmm. uh, they only sang he only sang one chorus on it. Um, Screen Rant went out and translated it, and it translates to in storm and in storm blackened mountains I wander alone across glaciers I travel forth in the apple orchard the fair maiden stands. And sings, when will you come home? And then the chorus is in English. When she sings, she sings, come home. Hmm. Not to not to harp on the Wizard of Oz anymore, but I don't think it's an accident that he's singing about go- wanting to go home. Or yeah. at least mentioning home. Um, but in Storm Blackened Mountains, I Wander Alone. He, this, I mean, this happy song is really dark and really sad. Um, it's about him traveling across lands by himself and even sylvie in her case traveling alone um the fact that they traveled across lamentus it was a dark stormy mountain mountain planet in tree yeah. space um across glaciers i travel forth we know they're both born of frost giants right um in the apple orchard the fair maiden stands we find out that loki is is by in this now it's like officially canon yep um so we don't really know if there's a specific fair maiden he's referring to if it's a a lover he had or if it's his mother or we don't really know sophie's selfie we don't really know sylvie's relationship with her mother as much um just that they uh she wasn't really close or she left when she was young wasn't it Mm mm-hmm 
Okay. Well, we don't, we don't know for sure. We just know <clears throat> her relationship with her mother is something that's in her distant past. Whether that means it ended earlier than our Loki's relationship with his mother or okay. she's older. We don't really know. So, and then saying, when will you come home? It, it, mm-hmm. it almost sounds like him wishing his mother. I'm projecting that it's Frega is project. It, it's him projecting that Frega wants him to come home. Right. Very interesting. I, I'd be curious to hear the rest of that song yeah i'm really excited to hear that for sure i wonder if they'll release it soon or at the end of the season i guess we'll find out yeah i mean the the other thing i think that's really noteworthy is them confirming that loki is by that's yeah awesome yeah very cool Not i mean that, it, that needs this, the stamp of approval from two <laughs> straight white guys <laughs> no i mean to be fair i'm i'm not surprised that the character lends himself to being fluid yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It, yeah. It's it's like it's the kind of thing where they like in the past would have just confirmed it in an interview with the yeah. cast, or they'd be like, "Yeah, sure, he is. Okay." Like, yeah. You know, like just agree because someone asked them about it, like right. J.K. All of J.K. Rowling, right? Yeah. Like, but here, like it actually makes sense. Yeah, and and they, you know, have him say it out loud <laughs> in the show in canon, right? Whereas um, J.K. Rowling was like just doing it i felt like to appease people you know here it makes sense for right. the character and he says it out loud which is notable and not just in an interview or a tweet or something you know right so. uh, i will say we did find out that sylvie has had a relationship with a postman in the past i'm wondering and i've seen this speculation going around rampantly is it willie lumpkin from the fantastic four it's stan lee's cameo in the fantastic four as the <laughs> as the postman in the baxter building or is he the FedEx guy at the end of Civil War? <laughs> Has Sylvie been? <laughs> Wasn't she being like ironic about that? Was she? I, that I, I don't thought know. She was just saying like sarcastic, not ironic, but sarcastically. Like, yeah, I sure I do. I have a postman waiting for me at the end of the world or whatever. <laughs> like, well, she um, said. I mean, she said that she had somebody to keep her going. Like, yeah, I, I thought she seemed a little sincere about it. Maybe I'll have to rewatch it. I think or, the way I read it was like sarcastically but maybe it's just because that's the kind of lens i was looking at her through at that point so is it stan lee (laughs) traveling through universes with sylvie in this case or is it uh the mailman from wandavision oh boy (laughs) um the world may never know yeah but i as soon as i heard postman i thought that's that has to be a stan lee cameo that she's talking about (laughs) what one more quick thing on the train scene was um loki coming up with the metaphor for love um i won't repeat the whole thing because i don't have it written down honestly but um it was my favorite line in the episode where loki gives this metaphor that you know starts to make sense at the beginning about love being a dagger and then as he goes on he talks about the dagger being an illusion which only really (laughs) applies to him so it's not a relatable metaphor and then it just like the the, the running gag of Loki being terrible at metaphors, like between his, him ruining uh, um, Mobius's salad last week, talking about <laughs> apocalypses and and this dagger thing, it it's great. It's a really good bit. <laughs> I hope it kind of continues <laughs> forward because this one, the, his delivery of it was so good, and mm. like it almost convinced you. And then just to have them both admit that it made no sense at all <laughs> was really good. Some uh, something else that's funny I didn't I didn't realize is his line of I'm not drunk I'm just full. Uh, apparently in in the Nordic countries another word for drunk is full. 
Oh, so it's, it's him just repeating himself again. Yeah, just so. saying uh, I'm not drunk. I'm drunk, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the the great callback to uh, Thor. When he's oh yeah, another says another. It's like uh, he did the thing <laughs> from the meme. <laughs> so that was that was good. You could you could tell Hiddleston enjoyed that scene very much. You know Hiddleston's having fun with this. He is. He is. He's a blast to watch. I, I really hope he continues in some fashion beyond this series. Yeah, I mean, we get after that train scene. I can't think of much else to really, really hit on that scene. To be honest, um, they they get into a bit of a scuffle with some of the staff on the train. Both end up outside the train on the ground and have to walk to the destination to try to to board the ship and make sure it gets away. Once they mm-hmm. get there, the ship is destroyed about immediately almost comedically a little bit um and they're stuck in the episode cuts um i was a little disappointed with the cliffhanger here it didn't really grab me too much i know they're gonna get out of this situation so it's like it 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 didn't feel impactful to me and that kind of played into my issues i had with the urgency of this episode what did you think of the the one shot overall at the end I thought it was a little weak. I didn't yeah. realize it was a like a I didn't realize it was one shot until after like reading it in the moment I didn't really catch it. Um I caught it in I the... thought the effects were a little wonky. Um one interesting thing though with that scene is Loki using that telekinesis power to stop the entire building. building and flip it up. Yeah. I'm really wondering about that. <laughs> I mean, we've seen him use telekinesis already in this series but like, yeah but to like move this, a building <laughs> like how many weeks ago was he just invading new york with the avengers like he could he could have done a lot with that i feel in right there's one like a few weeks ago and for his timeline like, yeah that that i think that's where you just gotta like accept the rules yeah i know you do, but i'm like <laughs> why even have the shot of him stopping an entire building from falling over if he's the money the, shot the biggest thing he he did prior to that with telekinesis was grab a roomba <laughs> I was like, my, holy! Like there were a lot of instances, and even the the Loki movies that you know follow where where the timeline split. <laughs> like, I feel like there there were times he could have used that. I mean, you would have thought he could have thrown Hulk out the window or something instead of yeah. letting him smash him, or I don't know. But See, yeah, you just have to accept it. I picked up it was a one shot after it started like panning around them when they were on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. I, I figured this is going to be an action scene. They're going to do it in one shot, and or at least make it look like it was one shot, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did. But uh, I love when stuff like this is done, but to your point that we know they're going to make it out of here based on the marketing mm-hmm. and based on the fact there are three episodes left and the title character is in danger, Yeah, we know that they're going to make it out. So, I mean, these only work if there's a lot of tension that is built up to mm-hmm. allow this to work did you see 1917 i did not okay so you know the whole gimmick behind that though right, right? it was filmed mm-hmm. that looked like one continuous shot and it, it works and it also kind of works with some of the themes of that movie as well because like characters never turn their back like through the entire thing mm-hmm. it's just a constant forward momentum and they never look back beyond what they've gone through so in here it just it felt like a gimmick we i mean we got a lot of them in the marvel uh netflix series mm-hmm. especially in daredevil but there was a lot of tension in those fight scenes like 
there was grit. It felt real. It grounded us in in that reality. Right. Um, here, it just it felt like it was just a choice that was made for yeah for a, a to look cool. It was a gaudy. It was a gaudy. Yeah. Of it. Like it, it didn't. It didn't make sense for the story. Like the the whole issue of the urgency not really being there till that very second and it's like like we have to run to this ship now after like being drunk for the last couple hours (laughs) yeah no yeah no you have a point there i didn't it didn't even occur to me that it's the urgency at that point yeah that and that was my biggest issue with the the episode and that that one shot does create should create urgency but it's so slow moving and they're going all over the place in so many different directions that it's hard to tell where they're supposed to go Mm -hmm. because it it looks like initially they're only supposed to go like 30 feet in front of them doesn't it right and then they end up running through like four or five back alleys to get to the front anyway Mm -hmm. so i don't i don't know i thought it was a little odd and i i will i will say with like our criticisms that they were far from like ruining the episode for me yeah. or anything like that i mean they're not as serious issues as i had with the falcon the winter soldier where it was just like entire plot lines and character choices didn't make sense here and there <laughs> um you know like for this i think what they were trying to do worked and the core focus of the episode worked and mm-hmm. just the kind of the the parts on the fringe around it weren't <laughs> as great i mean they they let's be real they relied on the chemistry between Loki and Sylvie to carry the episode. And it did. Yeah, it did. Um, so I, I don't want to be too harsh on it, but yeah, that no. shot was one. That was the point where the, the CGI and like the green screen really stuck out to me. Like mm-hmm. that, that one shot was like, I'm like, okay, they're, they're just like, I can almost see them like running around on, on a green screen. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it just felt a little, um, a little too flimsy. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely the weakest cliffhanger of the series too. And that didn't, didn't help much. Um, I felt like we had legitimate plot teases in the last couple of episodes Um, with this one. It just was like, how are they going to get off this planet? And it kind of seems like either this whole thing happened in Loki's head and we get that reveal or mobius or someone from the tva just pops in and grabs them right Mm -hmm. like i'd be happily surprised if it was something else but it seems like almost a foregone conclusion that one of those two things happened yeah like they look they've located what apocalypse they went to like there was some reason to tie either of them to lamentus to make them choose that one to hide out in right or i don't know but i'm excited to see where we pick up next week and it's crazy that this series is half halfway over it's it's very sad to me because i'm i'm loving like every minute of this i know i want i want so much more yeah this this is the one where i'm like okay give me season two i know give me give me something else i mean i mean it just lends itself so well to it even if they you know take the major multiverse ramifications out of it in preceding seasons and just kind of have it be like a monster of the week type yeah, of thing. Yeah, like a monster yeah. of the week type thing. Like even if our Loki doesn't make it out, but you know, we frame Sophie even if we frame Sylvie in a more um heroic light towards the end of it and she takes over as the lead in the next one or something like that. I I, I just want to see more time shenanigans with 
Loki and Sylvie or Loki or Sylvie. Mm -hmm. I I think this lends itself so well to the second season in a way that WandaVision definitely didn't, (laughs) at least continuing with that premise. Um, And Falcon and the Winter Soldier obviously just seems like it's kind of going to elevate to film status. So very, very excited to see what comes next and uh, cash in more receipts for theories. (laughs) Yeah, I've been, I'm thinking more about that, my theory about him not being able to be controlled because of his happiness and the fact that the first episode we got his his background essentially on why he does it last week it wasn't it was more implied uh but then this one the whole discussion about love in general that he just outright admits that he has never truly been satisfied Mm -hmm. that just my god this is really gonna hurt isn't it uh, there, there's going to be an emotional <laughs> if, if teardown right. of at least Mobius and probably Loki. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've already kind of gotten that emotional teardown of Loki, but I don't think it's over. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a heartbreaker. <laughs> it's kind of it. It reminds me a little bit of you know how the the vibes that you felt throughout WandaVision, where it's mm-hmm. like Wanda's so happy, and you know that at the end of it like things are going to start to crash around her a little bit and you know what in the end makes loki happy based on your smirk uh pun it's all family like dom toretto says it's all about family (laughs) and now that we have brought it full circle i think that's a good place to wrap up (laughs) enjoy fat uh, enjoy f9 in the theaters everybody he's he's, loki's just got to live a quarter mile at a time and just live his life according to family that's it yep i think what i'm gonna do is binge the (laughs) the Fast and Furious movies like you are, um, and then work on my Ghost Rider pitch. <laughs> Do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, anyways, um, thanks for joining us this week, as always, with our Loki discussions and any of the other discussions that uh, you were able to listen to. Uh, make sure to follow us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if you have a a question or just want to bounce the theory or comment on one of the theories that we had, uh, make sure to send us an email at infinity watchers pod at gmail.com. And the rest of the, uh, all, all of our social links are in the show notes of our shows. So make sure to give us a follow, like our tweets about the podcast. We'll be, we'll be promoting it there pretty heavily and, um, you know, give us some interaction. We like to hear from you. We want to hear your theories. Tell us what you think is going to happen or what what if we're giving too much meaning to certain details in this show. Yeah, <laughs> this one is meant for us to read into it. I know they, they are just playing around with it in a in a way to bring about the theories. <laughs> yeah, while I've been editing, I've noticed and I mean, I, I text you after every time we're done recording. Our episodes are significantly shorter on this one, too, than yeah. they were for Falcon and even our rankings. But like. Our our episodes are hitting around an hour and a half now, as opposed mm-hmm. to the two to two and a half hours. We're there. We didn't. We don't know how we pulled two to two and a half hours of content right out of those. I mean, that was. I think the big thing with those was it jumped a lot between characters, and for this, yeah, it's more theorizing and you know straightforward plot. Well, relatively straightforward. It's more streamlined. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was going for. But yeah, please join us in the future for for more Loki discussion and 
you know, we'll be, we'll be hitting what if after this, um, just a, I guess a quick programming note, we will be, um, doing a black widow preview as kind of a bonus episode before, before that film comes out. And then, um, we will have separate episodes for our, um, Loki episode five review and our black widow review. So we'll be, we'll be doubling up for the next, uh, I don't think next week, but you know, a couple weeks after that. Right. So, you know, stay tuned, join us for black widow discussion, join us for Loki discussion. We'll be, we'll be doing some fun topics in between series um, as well as, you know, I think the next thing we're getting is what if it seems like, unless we get Captain Marvel or unless we get Miss Marvel <laughs> first, but it does seem like what if will be the next thing that we um, are able to hit. So, and, that, and then we've got Sean Chi. Yeah. We just nonstop. Can't stop, won't stop. Nope. All right. Thanks for joining us again this week. For Jared, I am John. See ya.